0: Is real. There's power in your name. We find hope when we trust in your ways. We need you. And Jesus is real.
1: And I'm here to tell you that is a every single day decision for each one of us. There's not one of us who every single day does not need to make the decision again to say, it's not about me doing the things I want to do because I want to do them, but Lord, what is your will for my life? And I believe that at that simple fork in the road, my self-styled life or the life God has for me, everything about our lives is made in those decisions.
0: Life is a struggle to make the right decisions, to do the right things and to learn from the bad choices. All day long, you're bombarded with voices telling you to do this or that thing, some of which please God and others will please you. Pastor Daniel is going to be teaching about the fact of this decision-making and the benefits of doing life God's way. You're going to be reminded of the joy and peace that comes from obeying God. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 11 as he continues his message, The Two Witnesses.
1: So, sackcloth was clothes that were uncomfortable, and ashes I mean they would throw dirt on their head. And it was a sign of, like, I am so undone, I am as low as the dirt. That's what it really means. And so, it was an outward sign of inward grieving, and then they would, wouldn't eat either. And it was their way of expressing outwardly the grieving of what they're experiencing. And so, these prophets are not like our modern day prophets who have TV shows, who get dressed up in nice suits and have manicured hands and great hair. And I'm not talking about myself because I don't get a manicure, although I do have a TV ministry. (laughs) But the idea is that they're mourning and they're prophesying about what's going on. And as you see what they're all doing, it says if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth. So they have like a little bit of a Godzilla gifting. That was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> Someone's like, what's Godzilla? You guys are young. Go to YouTube. It's on there. Okay, so, so you have fire that goes out and it would devour their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, they get the fire from these prophets' mouths. And they also had power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the day of the... So while they're prophesying, there's going to be drought-like conditions... And then they have power over the waters that turn them to blood and then they can strike the earth with all the plagues. And so these two witnesses, their ministry for this 1,260 days is pretty wild at the very least. Now, of course, someone is bound to say, well, Fusco, who are these two prophets? And I'm happy that you ask because I'm going to tell you the answers. Everybody ready? Everyone lean in. Drum roll, please. Who are these two prophets? Come on, drum roll, please. Anybody? And the answer is, is I don't know. There you go. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say. Now, I can give you some potentials. In a sense, we know that Elijah is going to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. You get that in the end of the book of Malachi. So you know that Elijah's coming. And some of these things were things that Elijah did, like call down, you know, he was able to devour people with fire, that there would be no rain, so Elijah has that. So uh, most people believe that one of these will be Elijah. What makes matters more complicated, is if you remember John the Baptist John the Baptist says he wasn't Elijah. And then Jesus said he was. So for you Bible nerds, go have fun figuring that out. It's challenging. I mean, that's why I love the Bible. I say that and I say it flippantly. But one of the things I always tell people is that God's goal is not to give us all the details. God's goal is to give us enough that we know that we can follow him, but then we have to pursue him. That's what he wants. So when God makes it a little bit more complicated, it's because he's drawing us in. So like literally, like I've been studying the Bible for over 20 years now, and I love the scriptures. I read it every day. I study it for fun. But then you're like, oh, they asked John about, are you Elijah? He's like, nope. And Jesus is like, yep, he is. So I was like, what do you do with that? It's like, what? Well, because really, Elijah's going to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So in a sense, John came in the spirit and power of Elijah, but he wasn't Elijah. And so obviously, I think one will be Elijah. Now, as you get to the second witness, of course, it becomes much more Conjectural. A lot of people think it will be Moses because that remember Elijah and Moses showed up with the tabernacles on the Mount of Transfiguration. And obviously, the ability to bring plagues on the earth would be reminiscent of the ministry of Moses in Egypt. So you have that piece of it. The early church believed it would be Elijah and a man named Enoch. How many of you remember Enoch from Genesis chapter 5? Some of you do. Elijah and Enoch were the only two people who were like translated out of here. They never died. And so they say it might be Enoch, people like Aranus and Tertullian. They all believe that it would be Enoch. Other people believe it will be Zerubbabel. Because of Zechariah chapter 4, go read it. It's interesting that the prophecy the two lampstands are Zerubbabel and a man named Joshua, which in Hebrew would be what? Yeshua. Yes, fast seal. The Bible's deep. All that to be said, it doesn't tell us actually who they are. So, what we do know is in the last day there will be two witnesses. They have a very supernatural ministry. But by way of application, of course, I made the point that all of us need to be witnesses. And When was the last time any of us sat down and thought about what is my witness for Jesus in the world? The people who know me, family members, loved ones. You know, it's one of the things I love. I was just talking with my oldest, my son, Obadiah. We were talking about what does it mean to think about our witness in the world? You know, and it's cool because he's 17 and loves the Lord. And we're like, listen, the way that we live is the witness that we have. It's as simple as things like choosing to be kind to people, being someone who's forgiving, being someone who's humble enough to say, listen, I kind of messed that up. I'm so sorry. These things, the way that we do our work, whatever our vocation is. I always like to tell people that we do our jobs as unto the Lord and our coworkers get the benefit of it. For too many of us, we do our work for a job or a paycheck, which I'm here to tell you, that diminishes God's calling for vocation. Don't ever forget that in Genesis chapter 2, one of the gifts God gave Adam was work. We live in a day and age, we know work is wounding, it's not easy, but work is something we do under the Lord. It's a third of our lives as adults. For you students, you in school, that's your witness. How we treat People, how we treat our enemies, all of this is part of the witness of the people of God. And Jesus, I believe, wants a beautiful witness in the world. The early church, they were called Christians because people knew that there was something different about them. The Bible says that the people of God should be peculiar people. And I say not peculiar, weird, although some of us may be, and I'm in that category, but we should be distinct from the world. We should be looking at things and living differently in this world. And of course, I always think about Jesus in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He doesn't say, I want you to be a witness and good luck. He says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, I love that about Jesus because Jesus is like, look, I want a witness, but I'm not gonna let you do it in your own strength. I'm gonna give you my spirit and my spirit will now energize the life of my resurrection in the midst of who you are. And for each one of us, that is what God is trying to do right now. Your circumstances, the things that you're dealing with. God is saying, listen, I want to enliven the resurrected life of my son Jesus in your life. And the key for each one of us is to not resist that, but to say, okay, Lord, yes, Lord, will you transform me? The number of times I say, God, will you get me out of here? And then I sense the Lord be like, no, I want to keep you there. I just want to get you out of you so that you could be like me there. And that's what God is trying to do in each one of our lives. So I want you to say, as you're moving through your days, as you're moving through your weeks, as you're moving through those challenges in life, say, God, will you make me a witness unto you? Will you help me to lean into the power of your spirit so that I can live uniquely in this day and age? Because when the people of God are energized by the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit is on display. And I always like to tell people, If you have a beautiful fruit tree in your yard, you never see the fruit tree eating its own fruit, do you? No, the fruit's always for someone else. And the witness and the fruitfulness of our lives are for the blessing of others. They're really for the Lord. The Lord is glorified in our fruitfulness and then people are blessed by us. So that lousy coworker, they will be in a sense spiritually nourished by the fruitfulness of your life. When you choose to be kind and patient to them, rather than being like, "You are the worst person I have ever met." And listen, sometimes there's a place for that too. Faithful to the wounds of a friend, right? When someone's being really lousy, like I'm grateful that there are people in my life who are like Daniel. That's really not the way you should handle that at all. No, no, no. Sometimes Linda be like, Daniel, we shouldn't talk like that because she's sweet. And I'm from New Jersey, so it's I could be a little biting sometimes. It's like, whoa. Put the knives away, honey. You know, <laughs> like, it's not necessary right now. I want you to say, what's my witness? And I want you to live in such a way that you are a witness to Jesus and you're a witness of Jesus to those around you. I was just talking to someone about this. I remember when I first started walking with the Lord, I was really struggling in my walk. I was in my 20s and I had really kind of had all the wrong habits in life. And I remember I had someone say to me, you know what you should do, Daniel? I'll say, what? Like, every time you leave the house, you should bring your Bible with you. And I'm like, oh yeah? And leaving the car, like, no, you should carry it with you everywhere you go. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you're carrying a Bible. It's going to keep you out of a lot of trouble. Because it's kind of hard to walk into a bar and sit down. <laughs> put your Bible on the counter. <laughs> hey, can I get four shots? And they'll be like, uh, No. Why are you carrying the Bible, right? And then you're like, oh, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And I just bring that out there. It was like, no, you have to remember who you are. And part of that is just being willing to be that witness and being willing to say, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. I remember that, you know, back in the days to have the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Those things are coming back in style. I think they're great. What would Jesus do? Why? Because it's a reminder when you're moving through the world. Am I acting the way Jesus would act right now? See, that's us caring about the testimony of God. Because I'm here to tell you, most people, they don't reject Jesus because they don't like Jesus. They reject Jesus because they don't think Christians are any different than everybody else. So there's no proof in the pudding. And for us, if you're here today, and I realize not everyone here is a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, listen, thank you for being here. You are welcome to be here. We want you to grow with us here. We don't ask everyone to agree with everything that, that we say here. We realize everyone's on a journey and we're all on different steps of the journey and we want you to be here and grow with us. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you should want people to know that you follow Jesus by the testimony of your life. Because that's part of it. The greatest witness to the gospel is a life that's been transformed. So, God has given us his spirit. Let's be witnesses unto Jesus and for Jesus. Now, what happens with these two witnesses? Picking up in verse seven, Revelation chapter 11. It says that when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually, is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Everyone say, Oy they." Revelation 11, stop. Now, let me give you the principle and then we'll unpack what's happening. The principle is this is that death and resurrection is how God works. And we're going to get that because, let me read a little bit farther down. It says, verse 11 Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell upon those who saw them. So, the principle is that death and resurrection is how God works. But what goes on here? These witnesses have been given a specific amount of time for their ministry, their testimony, 1,268. Then after that, then you have this beast who comes out of the bottomless pit. We're going to talk about the beasts who are coming out of the sea and the earth and the bottomless pit in Revelation 13. Really, we're talking about Satan here. He comes on out, and he's going to fight against them, and he's going to kill them. Now, don't miss this. There's an old saying, I want you to remember it, that the person of God is invincible until God is done with them. I'm gonna say it again. The child of God is invincible until God is done with them. And what that means is that, listen, all of us have a specific amount of time, the breath that God has given us, the days that God has given us. And here's what I wanna tell you. You will not leave this earth not one second before God has ordained that you will. And we trust God for the days that we have. There's nothing worse than living in such a way that you're scared of the end. As children of God, you say, I'm not gonna live one breath longer than God has ordained. I'm not gonna try and rush that date. But while I have breath in my lungs for me to live as Christ and to die as what? Is game. Listen, you are invincible until your time is up. That's how it works these witnesses had a specific amount of time and then it was time and then martyrdom comes for them. And what's so sick about the day and age in which this all happens is that when they die, now they're getting martyred here in, notice it's in Jerusalem, right? That great city, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So it's interesting that in the last days when all this takes place, Jerusalem is going to be considered, spiritually speaking, both Sodom and Egypt. Egypt as a picture of worldliness, and Sodom as a picture of immorality. Both Old Testament references from Genesis and from the book of Exodus. So we have this idea that Jerusalem at that time, spiritually speaking, will be full of worldliness and immorality, and they're going to be killed there. And when they're killed, no one's allowed to clean their body up. Now, the whole world seeing this, could you imagine... 2000 years ago how is it possible that every tribe nation and tongue is going to know about two dead guys in jerusalem or dead girls we don't know if they're guys or girls doesn't say how would that ever happen 2000 years ago but you all know with modern technology this could be very possible today right where it's like oh yeah like it's on the news and everyone celebrates just like the satanic christmas everyone's making merry and sending presents Now, it sounds so strange, but you realize that the ministry of these witnesses was not easy. There was no rain, so there's famine. There's all these plagues on the earth, and anyone who came near them got burnt to a crisp. So you could imagine the way the news would portray these two people. And so now when they're gone, everybody celebrates, and they're sending each other presents. It's so upside down. Now, for those of you who are like, hey, listen, isn't that what's going on in our world today? Our world is becoming more upside down. I would actually say, I don't agree with that at all. The world has always been upside down. Read history. Read, I mean, Jesus was crucified. I mean, how horrible can you come up with a capital punishment plan? that that was 2,000 years ago. Now in America, whether we can debate the morality or is it moral or godly to commit capital punishment, that's a big discussion, but they don't crucify people. They do it in a way that they would consider more humane if killing anybody is humane in any way. But we don't have public executions anymore. And so it's not that the world is going more off the rails, but what we do realize is that spiritually speaking, there was a time when there was... Strong agreement on good and evil, and now we've lost our moorings. And the prophet Isaiah said, wrong is it to call evil good and to call good evil. And we live in that day and age now where it doesn't even matter. I mean, if you're watching what's going on culturally in America, they're now, they want to normalize pedophilia. I've watched these lectures. You're like, hold on a second, And you all know, like we live here in Clark County, we had a school employee who got arrested for voyeuring, looks like for years, horrible, horrible. And so we're living in a world where the wheels are falling off. But I would say the wheels have always been off. And really what Jesus is trying to do is put the wheels back on. He's trying to help us see things clearly. And so you have this great Celebration at the death of these two witnesses. But then, of course, notice, and when they finish verse seven, their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, he makes war with them. And then after three and a half days, verse eleven, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who saw them. And then they heard verse 12 with a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. And their enemies saw them. In the great hour, there was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid, and they gave glory to the God of heaven. So death and resurrection. Now, what's interesting is you and I may never be martyred for our faith, but we should still, as followers of Jesus, be living lives of death and resurrection. You realize that, right? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to what? Deny yourself. What do you need to do next? Take up your cross and you need to follow me. Listen to Jesus. This is John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, what does that mean? What that means for each one of us, it's simply this. There is your self-styled life where you choose all the things that you want, you do it your way, and then there is the life that God has for you that will always involve us denying ourselves and our will and saying, God, I want your will. Now, no matter if you've been walking with Jesus for decades or if you're just considering following Jesus today, every single day of your life is a question of, am I gonna live my self-styled life, the life that I've decided for myself? or am I going to surrender my self-styled life and say, God, I want the life that you have for me? And I'm here to tell you, that is an every single day decision for each one of us. There's not one of us who every single day does not need to make the decision again to say, it's not about me doing the things I want to do because I want to do them, but Lord, what is your will for my life? And I believe that at that simple fork in the road, my self-styled life or the life God has for me Everything about our lives is made in those decisions. Because the thing that we've learned, the Bible teaches it, our culture definitely promotes it, is that you can live your self-styled life and you can say, I'm a Christian. But I'm here to tell you, you're a Christian in name only if your will is the highest will in your proverbial land. You're just a check mark on a census form, not in reality. And I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest things... In my walk with Jesus, I've been walking with Jesus for over 20 years, is I constantly have to die to myself. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's like, God, what do you want? And then trusting God enough to say, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your plans are better than my plans. And I have a lot of data to support that. So I'm going to trust you and follow you and not do it my own way. But I've been around long enough to realize that for most of us, you know what we do? We do it our own way. And then when it all kind of gets messed up, rather than saying, I really did it my own way, we say, why would God do this to me? There's that meme that goes around. Don't blame the devil. You done did that to yourself, right? It's like, you did that. You made those decisions. That was your mistakes. You knew God had something else for you. You did it anyway. And the beauty of following Jesus is not that God doesn't write us off every time we do The self-styled stuff And we don't do the self-styled stuff So that his grace may abound But over time you learn enough Like you know what I should just do it God's way God's way is better than mine And I just want to encourage you Listen today's a good day To surrender your will to his Today is a good day To choose his purposes over yours Because death and resurrection Is always how God works First there is the death And then there is resurrected to new life and that happens every single day where you say, I'm going to die to myself. And then you get resurrected to newness of life. So death and resurrection is always God's way.
0: Jesus is real. So Pastor Daniel taught today about witnesses. He talked about the two witnesses in this portion of scripture, but he also touched on your being a witness for God. You heard a lot about what a witness is and what they do but one of the major points Pastor Daniel made was that your witnessing is not to come out of your ability, but from the power of God. The Holy Spirit is who makes you able to witness. He'll show you how and give you the words to say. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I wanna be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the
1: hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the
0: circumstance. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel begins a new teaching covering Revelation 12 called The Big Battle. While you might think this is going to involve the Battle of Armageddon, Pastor Daniel's got something else in mind. You'll learn about a conflict that's been going on almost since the beginning of mankind's being on the earth and is going to be talked about in the 12th chapter of Revelation. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, A Year of Revelation. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.